in a second. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the nerdy movie podcast. I'm your host, Tom. It's the uh, 12 days of Star Wars, and it's day four. It means four Lando robes. Reaching. Yes. Yes. All right. So if you're curious, today we're, we've been going in chronological order. So we're, do, we're doing our first, what we call the of the Disney movies. This would be from uh, 2018. From director Ron Howard, although as, as, as is well documented, he was not the original director on this film. It is Solo, a Star Wars story. Guys, what do you think? Oh, man, this movie. Um, I have good and bad to say about it. Honestly, I have a lot to say. Uh, Bruce, what about you? It's Calrissian. You have the title wrong. <laughs> I will absolutely agree with uh, with Bruce on that, that this movie was horribly, horribly mistitled. Uh, although I think it should be Chewbacca, a Star Wars story. Personally. I actually was thinking the same thing. This is Chewie's story. <laughs> narratively yes but in terms of who won the movie it's calrissian hands down he stole the show definitely but i do think that both lando calrissian and chewbacca are the best characters in this movie by a country mile like there's almost no debate but i'm sure there's debate i just don't think the other characters hold up in the same way as much as i love woody harrelson's performance in this um well I will go to uh, the the answer here that attempting to make Firefly um, sort of out of this uh, is 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 this is not a mission they could win. There was nowhere to go with this that was going to be satisfying in the way they hoped it would be. Uh, it's maybe there. I, I would love to see what the treatments were that got canned. I'd like to see what the uh, effective committee rewrite really was here, because uh, what is the goal of this apart from raking in, uh, hopefully, you know, another billion dollars? Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be an artistic goal to this. And I, I don't know that there could be like the character of Han Solo had one of the few actual arcs of change over the core three movies. Uh, whereas he goes from, I am a smuggler who is not above just killing somebody who I think is going to try to kill me to a person who is willing to self-sacrifice uh, in multiple ways for a cause. So that's his redemption arc. Uh, he goes from being uh, a, a definitely no no love for the Empire smuggler to being uh, a hero of the rebellion um, and, you know, a love interest properly as opposed to the hinted at womanizer. And on all of this is his redemption arc in the, in the first three. So where can he go in this prequel? What could he have been? to become a smuggler at the end. And I, they try, they try to sort of with, with, with Woody Harrison's character, they try to make it, but um, I, I just don't think there's like the previous love interest is always going to go away. It's always going to pale in comparison to Leia, or you're really doing some weirdness there. Um, you can't, go anywhere with any of this. I, I just think the whole project was confused uh, at start. See, I disagree on one point, but I do think that the project was very confused. So my disagreement is that I think they had a goal here. Uh, the goal was to show how did Han Solo become the uh, rapscallion you see in A New Hope? 
right? The yeah. problem is you never actually see that. Like the story they told is a fine story. It's a great story. I don't know why Han Solo is in this film. Uh, he does fill a role, but the role he fills is not the role he ends up in in A New Hope. So the path we travel to get to where he is supposed to be in A New Hope, we just never actually follow it. We just kind of hang around with a bunch of people, and then one of them is arbitrarily picked as the guy who moves on, and he moves on. And that's it. He doesn't really have an arc in this And the thing is, he has no arc. He has zero arc in this film at all. And that is the biggest problem with Han Solo, a Star Wars story, is that it's not really about Han Solo. It's not. It's about Chewbacca. It's a with with some great side characters. It's about the arc of Woody Harrelson's character, who I don't even think is named uh, Bennett. That's his name, right? Beckett. Beckett. Thank you. It doesn't matter what his fucking name is. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what his name is. He has an arc. His arc is, I die at the end, but it's still a, a more of an arc than Han Solo gets. Han Solo just sort of floats from thing to thing, always being yeah. basically the same character. And, oh, haha, ha, he shot that guy first. How clever. That That's it. That's his whole entire story is he learned how to shoot somebody. And he already knew how to shoot people. He just did it well this time. There's no arc. And that is my biggest problem with this film. It is still, however, an enjoyable movie. Yeah. There and I would make an. I talked about this earlier in a when we were pre planning this one. Would this have worked better if they'd made it into a series? Because I took breaks while I was re watching this and I realized when I got a chance to think about it, it fits better as like a Mandalorian bit where it's like 30 minute episodes. Because if watching this is one big thing, it's a bit of a slog, but if you take breaks, it really feels better. I, I don't disagree with you if you're talking about like just the nature of the story and what they want to do here. I think a lot of movies now suffer in the age of what I'll call, you know, premier television and in the age of stream of vision or whatever you want to call it. Um, this absolutely could have done better with more time for the characters to grow and blossom and take stage. So I think yeah. absolutely more could have serviced this story, but it would have made, it would have been worse for the Han Solo character. And that's again, a point is that Han Solo is in this, you know, in a new hope is in a position that is not a growth position. It's a grow from position. So uh, what, what, what could, what could he be? What is the story of becoming that guy I, there's not a lot of story to that now at least not in a traditional star wars sense like if you want to give han a sort of a tragic backstory which this sort of is trying to do and it fails uh, it fails but it's that's Rushed. not the character you want anymore like yeah. it, at that point all of i mean don't get me wrong at that point you're making sort of a more novel treatment of the character you're making a treatment of the character where all of the bravado is a front for core sadness and it's, but that's not what he was in those movies and it never comes back up again. So you don't have that. Like he's never moaning his lost love in those films. He's never upset about all the death. No, no. Han Solo does not mind shooting stormtroopers left, right, center. He does not care. Um, that's a broad star Wars problem, but that's, that's also another part of this is that I'll say this, and I think we're going to talk about Rogue uh, in, a, in a minute on another show. Um, but both of those are trying to be different kinds of movies than Star Wars movies are, but they're in the same universe. And that universe is built around pulp. 
it's not built to support deep character movement or anything like that. So I, I, I just, again, I, I'm down to this should not even have been tried. Well, I, go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, again, will disagree. I don't think that this was a movie that could not have been made, but I think you needed to lean into the tragedy. You needed to see him be the arc that this movie should have had, in my opinion, is that we start off with a naive, hopeful Han Solo who's joining the Imperial Academy. He's bought the propaganda. He is wholeheartedly, the Empire is great. I'm going to go uh, help out people. I'm going to bring peace to worlds. I'm going to be a crack pilot and whatever. And then you immediately get him embroiled in the gritty underbelly of reality that slaps him in the face repeatedly over and over again, right? And then you present him with a little bit of a hope spot. Uh, where he like he puts his trust in somebody and that trust is returned and in the end that person pays the price, right? And at, and then he's like, oh, well I see what happens when you trust people and that's how you get him to be the jaded doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. But you also show that he did have this core of spark of hope inside him that's probably been smothered mostly, but it's still there so that he can grow in a new hope. That is not the choice they made here. Again, the choice they made here is to show him be this. Uh, I mean, he's much. He ends this movie in a very hopeful place, which is not where he needed to end in order to be the character in A New Hope. He, it wait, should have ended wait. in tragedy. And, and the tragedy of his person flying off in a starship and leaving him behind is not that much of a tragedy. Yeah. He doesn't even take it that hard. He's just like, well, I guess you got away again. Doodly doot doot. Womp. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, but but, yeah. but that that still doesn't work because he still has an incredibly loyal and true friend in Chewbacca. Well, Even no, Chewbacca, Chewbacca shouldn't have been in this film if you were going correct. to go in. That's then, my point. Maybe Chewbacca could have been, yes. Okay, I see what you're saying there now. Yeah, Chewbacca yeah, should not it, it have been work. in this film if you were going to do that. <laughs> right. No, I, I then I agree with you. In the set, maybe you, had, you do two of them, and the second one is where he, he meets Chewbacca. And, and that's that where you start a, his climb. You, you yes. just barely well, I, start okay. the climb. Yeah. You, you've sold me yeah, that yeah, the, the, the Will Cotis version of this project could have been filmed. This thing, though, the Ron Howard version is a horrible mess. Ron, I'm so, so disappointed in you. It wasn't Ron's fault. This was written by committee. This movie was halfway through done well, before they switched people. Ron did the best of what he got. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to give him too much shit because this film is five wow. films in one, and Jesus Christ, does it go on too long. But I'm, I'm going to yes. even criticize some other things, though. I don't think this is a particularly good-looking movie, and they know how to make good-looking Star Wars movies. Um, I will say that the the next one in this sort of gen generation of you know pre-ish, Rogue is going to look better than this. And they had to be, you know, working in principal photography. Or did that overlap for these two films? So, like, how did they make this one look so blah and dark? Because they were going well, for okay. gritty. And I'll I'll give them this. The best looking scene in this film is the train heist. Well, sure. That is the best scene in this film. That whole sequence is fantastic. Uh, that would have made it a fantastic episode of The Mandalorian. Just swap out yeah. like uh, yeah, it, uh, Beckett. It made with, a good uh, episode of Firefly. Did they write commission checks to Firefly? Right, they should definitely write commission checks to the Firefly writing team because Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean... That, and I think that's something that should be brought up is that this film had a lot of people on it that should be uh, should have gotten it right. So Lawrence Kasdan, he wrote Empire. He worked on the, uh, Return of the Jedi. He wrote the best Han Solo dialogue. He wrote this movie with his son, which maybe there's the issue right there. 
Lord and Miller, the original directors, got fired because they were apparently letting the guys improvise and mo- and just uh, goof around on the set. And apparently, all the material they wrote was way or they made up was way off what the original script was going to be. So, is it the script's fault or was it? You had directors who were used to just doing uh, animation and wanted to go back and just change things on the fly. That's a good question. I don't have a good answer to it, other than you can definitely see that there were multiple people's input into this film uh, from a script standpoint and a directing standpoint. The earlier stuff is shot differently in a lot of ways. Now, some of that may be deliberate, like to show a tonal change, but... I don't really feel the tonal change. Like the tone doesn't change, but the shot sequences, the way they set things up, the the way it's filmed is different. The only parallels you really see are in the beginning car chase sequence, you see a little bit of that in the in the Millennium Falcon gets away from the giant space wedgie uh, sequence. Um, yeah. And I know I sound like I'm completely crapping all over this film. I don't hate this film. This film didn't make me sad. I enjoyed watching it. I had a good time. It's enjoyable watchable film yeah it's, it's way better than episode two uh i mean that's not saying a ton either but it's i think it's better than episode three in a lot of ways i think there's a good I story there are good stories here the problem is they don't serve the purpose of the film <laughs> they're, they're they're fun i i mean i love lando lando is the is fantastic and i love chewbacca chewbacca is fantastic we get to see chewbacca doing shit and that's freaking amazing he's been upgraded from sidekick to slightly better sidekick it's great Everything about that is yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, and I would argue that you you like the train robbery the best. I prefer the uh, rage in the in the mines because I love because it's a great Chewbacca moment. He gets he's like I gotta go save my fa-. he's like those are my people. I gotta go rescue them. And Han's like okay. And, well, you know, toward the end when they're all running, like that one other Wookiee's telling Chewbacca come with us, he, and he kind of goes he you know they do the head knot, you know they bump heads each other, and you can tell he's like. No, I ha- this is what I got to do. You go there. And uh, it's, uh, it's great acting by the, it's the other guy taking it because Peter Mayhew had already retired the part. So I give the guy playing um, Chewbacca real credit. He really nailed details that I don't think we normally would see Chewbacca. No, do. that was great. Although now it really comes down to, I don't believe anything is a magic mumbo jumbo. No, no, really, Han, uh, I hung out with this guy named Yoda. Uh, seriously, little Muppet dude. He could do backflips. Yeah, I'm 190 years old. Holy hell. And yeah, I know I look great, which is a fantastic line. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, again, not that big of a deal. There's a lot of problems like, with this film. That... There's a lot of Chewbacca never told Han shit that really he probably ought to have. But then right. again, Han is sort of his pet. I mean, you know, what do you tell your dog, really? Yeah, you don't tell your dog about the time you went on this elaborate adventure with a small, green, wrinkled, raisin person who then murdered a bunch of so-called friends. It's not a big deal, really. Um, <laughs> holy crap, we're just crapping all over that film. Uh, still, from I, the I, grave, we, we crap on it. Um, let's talk about the scene. So I, I want to correct you, Tom. The train heist is not my favorite sequence of this film. I think it's the best okay. shot most coherently shot because it looks like an episode of gun smoke, but with lasers and it's great. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's true space. Yeah. There, there's very interesting um, moments. You've got an adversary and then you have a secondary adversary to complicate matters. You have self-sacrifices that need to be made or don't need to necessarily be made, but are made anyway. You've got 
the old the you've got the stereotypical characters the crotchety old man the second in command who doesn't trust anyone the 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 this uh quip happy pilot who's also a brilliant but you know uh always talks a big game uh you've got the muscle which is clearly chewy and then you've got the na the naive young man who may have natural talent but doesn't quite know how things are and it all comes together very well. I just wish his name wasn't Han Solo. And, you know, uh, I know. I don't know. I, I still think of that as like, that is so formulaic and cut. I had no tension in that scene. I didn't care about 90% of the characters in front of me. Uh, they were disposable uh, archetypes that popped in to do their job in a very rote story piece. Uh, you know, the shot for shot, I bet if you went and picked up like 10 of Ron Howard's fam favorite Westerns, you could do a shot for shot. It's just, they phoned it in. They were asleep. I don't think they I, phoned I it in. This is, this. remember, these are supposed to be Saturday morning serials you watch before you watch your right. double feature. No, and I, this I, is exactly that. And that's why it's yeah. a good <laughs> sequence. But to, to, if they had characters I cared one would about, maybe. I would have enjoyed it. You know, you don't always have to. Uh, I, I enjoyed the scene for the scene, but I didn't say I enjoyed it for the story. You see what I mean? It's a fun thing to watch as a snippet of entertainment. Yeah, but it, 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 was, it was it was visually put together. I think you're right. It's probably the best visual sequence in it. Uh, the, the, the only parts of the film that actually made me pay attention are whenever Donald Glover was on screen uh, uh, and saying words. Oh, so awesome. the gambling sequence. Can we talk about how great that sequence is? That sequence is good. Yes. That is my favorite sequence in the yes. film is we have to go get the fast ship. That is my favorite sequence in this movie because that's where you really see – not only does Donald Glover play it to the hill and plays it so well, you get to see Han put in his fucking place. He's not the cool dude. He gets flustered. He gets angry. He realizes he's been had and it shows. And that is pure Han Solo when he realizes he's been had. I, I will say that they did a good job of mimicking Harrison Ford's mannerisms from Empire in that sequence when Han realizes he's been had. Right. No, it was glorious, and 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 clearly, uh, again, it is it is my wonder is did you and McGregor squee more when he got the part, or did Donald Glover squee more when he got the part? Like, which one of them that, is the more oh, happy fanboy playing this part? Oh, oh, definitely Donald Glover. He literally created the the term blur, which is black nerd. He is about as nerdy as you can get. Like, the character Miles Morales was originally intended for him. <laughs> or based on his uh, his petition to be Peter Parker, he is like the ultimate like when it comes to uh, black nerd comedian. Like if you re listen to his comedy, it is entirely nerdy stuff. So for him to get a Lando Calrissian is like a dream come true. And yeah, you know, just when he makes comments about his capes, you know that's something Lando never referenced. You never hear Billy Williams make a reference about his capes, but you know he wanted to throw that in there. You know, it's just those little details that he's getting that are perfect. So we, yeah, we got to agree. I think Donald Glover, perfect choice to take over Lando. Now, you know, when it comes to Alden Eyrig, you know, I've seen him in other movies. He's very good in a Coen brothers movie. Um, Hail Caesar. This one, he's okay. I don't think he, he just has the bad luck. He can't be Harrison Ford. He's trying and almost trying too hard. Right. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. I didn't think I, I, I was originally after having seen train spotting was like, Obi-Wan? No, no, no. No heroin addict Obi-Wan. But Ewan McGregor pulled it off. Like, the ability to pull off 
that is not that there's there's an art it's not a science and it's not it's not a criticism of the actor that you can't become you know somebody's shadow or phantom uh i i i think he did a good job but it just didn't hit the mark and i don't think that that you can really level that as a criticism. On the other hand, Donald Glover must have been, you know, had had like a the the green room full of Colt forty five malt liquor. Billy D, I hear, love to the performance. Um, all good things. I mean, I, I can't find a flaw with his performance. Even the little, just the little flourishes, the little moments. Um, it all works. Um, there's. <sighs> There's nothing really to criticize. I mean, that was great, but we knew. Okay, well, that brings me into a problem I did have with this film. Um, while it wasn't as bad as the prequel series, uh, the the first three episodes one, two, and three, um, some of the callbacks were a little too much. Hey, remember this thing from that movie you liked? Look at it here. Isn't that cool? I'm like, uh, did we have to do that? Like the uh, so Beckett dressing up as the guard. Which it was the costume that Billy D. Williams wore in uh, Return of the Jedi. I was like, I don't know, man. That's kind of a a reach. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's that. You're on the money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the I hate you line, as much as I loved it, the I know afterwards was like, hey, remember that thing from that movie you liked? This is yeah, it again. Yeah, that actually cheapens it. But yeah. But on the other hand, I can live with that in the in those moments because those moments were actually kind of okay. Uh, if the rest of the film had, had been there, I could have, that could be an easily forgiven sin. Right. It's just that the rest of the film isn't there. Like I will, my, my joy in this is only to just go watch YouTube bits where Donald Glover's on screen. I am hopeful that an extended cut with more of him is available. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I, I want the Phantom edit, the Calrissian cut. I, I want a Calrissian cut. And that's it. I, I think that's on that. YouTube somewhere. It's called like Calrissian, a Star Wars story. It's just everything with Donald <laughs> Glover in it, um, which was. And I, I would love him to be okay. in more. Uh, also, to take the role and go further. Oh, I, I don't think we want more of um, the uh, the Han Solo casting, but I could absolutely get behind a deeper Calrissian because there's a character with. Like his start as I am a compromised imperial administrator who used to be a pirate or a rogue or a gambler or a something, and I become a, her a hero in my own right too. Like all of that is a little bit easier. It's not quite as it's not quite as big as Han Solo's treatment in the first three. So, or in the middle three, you know, I'm getting in, in New Hope, etc. Uh, I think there's room for a Calrissian backstory to breathe in a, in a way that there's not room for a solo backstory to breathe. The Calrissian Chronicles. Yes. I think it works best yeah, as a couple of own, vignettes. Uh, writing his own book is perfect. I mean, I, I will, <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you would expect H H Lando to do. It's so pompous, but also so like, he's, he believes his own, uh, his own adventures, you know? Yeah. He's drunk his own Kool-Aid as it were. Yes, absolutely. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm drinking that Kool-Aid too. Give me a gallon of it. I'll chug it down. Uh, and I mean, and he brings to the canon universe the concept of, you know, sex droids. I'm I'm there. That's what yeah. was happening. We yeah, know uh, that was what we're would happen. We're going to have to go there eventually, yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I will say another, another interesting thing about this movie that a lot of people don't realize is this movie having to do so many reshoots led to Fleabag season two because uh, Phoebe Waller Bridges had to come back to reshoot her all of her scenes because she was there on set in a motion capture suit. 
and the whole time she just wrote Fleabag season two. So, uh, <laughs> it got, so it got her uh, a bunch of Emmys. So something good came out of this movie, no, regardless of if we got Fleabag season two. Well, can we talk about another problem with the film real quick? Um, <laughs> I know, I know we're heaping praise on things, but let's get so back many. to the to the flaws. Um, did anyone else feel like this movie ended four times? Yes. This movie went on too long. Two hours of this was too much. A, a, a nice, tight, ninety-minute story would have served this far better. Yeah. Just the Kessel Run. Yes. That's it. That's all. You, you didn't need. even need the, the Kessel Run. Honestly, could have been cut. Like you didn't need the Kessel Run parts. It's cool and it's a lot of stuff, but you didn't need it. It's not important to the story at all. Um, and I mean, it's a visually interesting sequence. Oh, look, giant space Cthulhu. That's cool. Uh, no. I'm sorry, that didn't need to be, I mean, or you could have cut one of the heists that they went through. They went through like four different heists and there's the battle sequence on, on that random mud ball planet that never gets a name that no one cares about. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I like, I like the introduction of Chewie. Honestly, I thought that was fun. That's a good sequence. Yeah. It's, a it's a classic sequence. I, I thought that was a little weird, but I was like, you know what? It works in, in context. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. But the Kessel Run should have been the end of the story, um, or at least the the you know 15 minutes later we're done with the story. So uh, did anyone else feel like they forgot part of this film because they they meet up they're at the thing you're getting the pro the whatever the MacGuffin is is getting processed into a completely different MacGuffin, and um, <laughs> they're they're like you got to come up here and talk to these people and they're like oh, I finally found you blah gruff confrontation. And then they have my favorite part, which is there's 30 men in that thing, and the thing flies off. That's great. That that because that's a, definitely a Donald Glover touch. You know it was. But she takes off her helmet, like the big bad scary growly person takes off the helmet, and oh, it's a girl. Who gives a crap? I mean, who is, is this girl? person? Yeah. Am I supposed to know who this is? Am I supposed to care who this is? I don't yeah, care. Helmet reveals like, are such a thing. Was it supposed to be a shock? A that, helmet was, was it supposed to be a shock that it was a girl? Because that's not shocking anymore, guys. That's not yeah, shocking no. anymore. It's just not. This isn't the '80s anymore. That's. I mean, was it that she was young? Yeah, Star Wars establishes this stuff. Every, <laughs> anyone can wear a helmet. Yeah, maybe, maybe she was young. Maybe that was the supposed to be the big impact, which isn't because Han's like what, twenty-two in this film. I mean, he's played by an actor no. who's older, but you know what I mean. None yeah. of this, like, was that supposed? To, and it's played up as this huge moment, and I'm like, it's not a moment, guys. Also, shout out yeah. to my man Warwick Davis for his like one line extra cameo yeah. thing. Good man. Uh, <laughs> got to get them residuals, bro. Uh, I got. He's, he's like, hey, uh, wait, are we doing Willow too? Uh, no, we're not doing Willow too. Put me in the movie, guys. <laughs> Respect the hustle. Hey, wait a minute, we are. <laughs> Respect the hustle, guys. Hey, he got, he somehow has got Willow back in the works. <laughs> sure he does. So I just I, – yeah. did I, I – and I'm asking genuinely, did I miss something? Did I miss part of the story? Was this supposed to be more impactful than it was? Because to me, I was just like, who the hell is this person and why do no, I give a crap? Uh, I, I want to read the treatments. This is interesting. Like they've kept the lid on this. So the Disney – uh, the Disney internal security forces have really cracked down because like you, you can't just be finding dirt in Wikipedia here about this film. And I want to know more, but unlike, you know, the stories that you can easily find on the other films, this one, there's very little about like what happened on set or any of that stuff. Did, were yeah. any of you guys more successful? Because I just think no. this thing is a this movie is a piece of Swiss cheese. There's holes everywhere. The only thing I have discovered was they had actually planned a sequel. 
So uh, that would include, uh, and apparently some of those infamous NES characters were going to at least reappear. So that was the understanding was they were supposed to be introduced, and then possibly this is where it gets more bizarre. They one of them may have been was supposed to be Sabin Ren, but they decided not. They changed their mind at the last. Am minute. I supposed to know who that is? I'm asking Rebels. I don't. I don't okay. I don't care about the cartoons. I don't care about the comic books. I don't care about the books. Because this uh, movie, if if I and if I have to go, I mean that can be very fun stuff to read. I'm not going to say that it's bad. I'm just saying that if I have to read or watch that stuff to understand what's going on in this film, and here we have another point that I can crap on this movie about the ending with the chick, right? Who's Chris Kell? I forget her name. It starts with a K. Yeah, yeah. Kiva, you know, Kremlin. I, Kali- I, I don't know. It's, it's, it- Notice how much I remembered everyone's names in this film. That uh, should tell you something. Khaleesi. Khaleesi. I don't know what the fucking name is. Anyway, so she contacts wrong, wrong the universe. Crimson Sun. And I was like, I, I think I've heard Crimson, Crim- Dawn. Crimson Dawn before. I was like, have I heard that before? I, that sounds somewhat vaguely familiar, right? And it dawned on me that, oh, that's probably from uh, Rebels or something because I heard other people talking about it. I was like, well, I haven't seen Rebels. It, you know, I just uh, Disney Plus has a lot of material I have to watch. Uh yeah. And then they're like, oh, it's the big the big reveal, the movie return of Darth Maul. And I was like, I don't care one bit about this scene. This scene is not in here for me at all. This is in here for <laughs> people who have watched every scrap yep. of additional material. And I was like, this adds nothing to this film. You could have cut that entire sequence where you could have stopped with, she goes, I'll be right behind you. Cut to Han doing his thing. And then he sees the ship flying away and you could have cut everything with her between those two moments and it wouldn't have mattered to the story. That sequence was pure fan wanking and I hated it. That should have been a post credits thing. Yes. Thank like, you. That's, that's an event. That's Avengers post credits bait. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. And once again, they had planned on at least a sequel, possibly a third one. If these were hits. <laughs> so the idea was that we're well, so I think their plan was we were going to have this whole arc with Crimson Dawn. This would be like the Crimson Dawn trilogy. Yeah. And, you know, we never, we never but, got that. But let, let's talk about that. I'm just amused by, like, Disney's custodianship here. Because uh, if Wikipedia is to be believed, they spent 300 mil. They made 393 on the box. They sold some toys. They're going to have long tail. So making almost 100 million is considered failure these days in Disneyland. Well, for Star Wars, there is the problem. It's a Star Wars movie. They expected, uh, you know, top boxes. Now, they made a critical mistake, which is they didn't release it Christmas like they've been doing all the other Star Wars movies. They released it a few weeks after Infinity War. And Infinity War was such a massive box office that people forgot that uh, Solo was even coming out. So uh, that may have been Disney getting too uh, big for its britches and thinking, hey, we'll just dominate the whole month of May. Well, there's also the the point about the budget you see like on Wikipedia or Box Office Mojo is not the actual cost of the movie. That's the cost that the movie had to be made, but it doesn't include the promotional budget. And that's where – I mean you could easily spend another 50% of the primary budget on marketing. So I think that while uh... for its budget it did make a little money – once you factor in marketing costs, it did not. Even internationally, like yeah. normally these films, they'll, they'll they'll make even a bomb in the U.S. can often be salvaged um, in the overseas markets, yeah. and this just simply was not able to be salvaged. And the marketing budget, because they marketed the hell out of this movie, 
um, they did it badly, but they spent a lot of money on it. Exactly. Um, and I mean, they did a Super Bowl commercial. That alone was ridiculous. I think. I, mean, I think that's the um, that's why it's considered a box office failure. Is because while it did make its production budget back and then some, it did not make back its promotional budget. Because I could easily see them spending a hundred million on promotion and not recouping it. <laughs> yeah, and let's point out if they hadn't had to reshoot almost the entire movie, it would have been about half that. So it would have been a big hit. There's the other problem because they reshot so much of it. You know, that's a lot more overtime. And, you know, they had to hire new actors because other actors couldn't come back for the reshoots. Because, you know, uh, Michael K. Williams was originally going to be Dryden Voss. He couldn't come back for reshoots. They had to pay people to take over for parts. uh, Ron Howard got a nice paycheck because he, you know, he was going to, he had to drop everything to jump on this film at the last second. It's, it, it, what cost more was how much they had to pay for uh, redoing everything. Because, you know, they had to re-set up some of those sets. The specs crews had to scrap shots to redo entire other shots. It's, uh, it, it's you know, it's complicated, but, you know, that's a lot of – that's a big factor. I liked Drayden Voss. I thought he played his part fine. Like, th- it was a bit part, and it was played to the hilt as a bit part. And the guy yeah. – Paul Bettany did a great job. So, kudos for that. Uh, same thing with L3. Uh, <laughs> I liked L3. Um yeah. What is it about the sassy droids that that, that are uh, good things? I really enjoy the droids in this, and in as we'll talk about on another another show, uh, Rogue One. So uh, sassy droids always make me happy. I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we've got enough on this. Let's just go. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to our our next day? You know, in the sense of did they do what they wanted to do here? I don't think they did. Should you watch it, um, unless this already is something that you as a completionist or a fan are going to watch, I give it a hard pass. Uh, I, I just don't think this is worth the time and effort, despite having my favorite of the, you know, the the the, the newer films uh, recastings in it. Uh, and my hope that Donald Glover uh, enjoyed the, uh, got as much enjoyment as he appeared to out of portraying the role. <laughs> Uh, my final thoughts are: I yeah. I will disagree with Bruce here. I think that if you just want a fun space adventure story, and you don't go into it with a lot of expectations, that it's a fine romp. If you super care that about Han Solo and how Han Solo became who Han Solo is, you are going to be disappointed. So if you're that kind of fan, I don't recommend it. But if you just want a fun space adventure story, uh, this is a fine space adventure story. That's my opinion. All right, and my final uh, take is it's a fun movie. It's probably a bit too long. has some editing issues. I think they definitely – I'm not going to be on the argument that we should see what Lord Miller shot. I kind of – I think they buried it for a reason. I'm definitely on the opinion that this is not the worst film, but it's fun, and I will say this, my seven-year-old liked it. So there's the answer. All right, folks, uh, this has been the Good, Bad, the Nerdy Movie Podcast. Uh Hopefully, uh, if you're enjoying this, keep listening and hit us up on our Facebook groups and uh, check out our next day, which is we're hitting the other Star Wars story, Rogue One. See you all next time, guys. Bye, everyone.